Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Alexandria, Egypt at the Africa Cup of Nations, joined by Liam Flint and Tom Ellis in Cairo and by Ngie Eno who's with the Cameroon team. This week's show is all about the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations as the nation of Egypt is expecting a home triumph. Now while the North African teams are generally looking good, most of the West African big guns don't seem to be firing as yet. And some fans are saying that the African flair is being lost with teams playing too much European style football. We have lots of interviews with players and coaches on the show including Ivory Coast and Crystal Palace star Wilfred Zaha on playing in Africa. Over time you get used to things and I feel like I'm getting used to it and I can't really make excuses anymore, you know? Once I get on a pitch I just need to do what I've got to do. More from Zaha later. So I'm on my balcony in the busy city centre of Alexandria and we're down to the last 16 of the Nations Cup now after a nail-biting last few days of the group stage where there was a lot of looking at the permutations over which of the four best third-place teams would advance. In the end, it was tough for Kenya, who just missed out, while South Africa and Benin made it through, along with Guinea and DR Congo, who'd lost their first two games but came back to beat Zimbabwe 4 0. Uh, that was enough to progress. So, the lineup for the round of 16 on Friday, Morocco take on Benin and Uganda play Senegal. On Saturday, it's Nigeria against Cameroon in the standout fixture, and Egypt play South Africa. On Sunday, Madagascar take on the DRC, and Algeria. Nigeria play Guinea and on Monday Mali against Ivory Coast and Ghana against Tunisia. So some very big matchups in the round of 16. Let's start off in Cairo where Tom Ellis and Liam Flint are producing the daily Egyptian Dream podcast which is keeping us informed not just with the action on the pitch but also gives an experience of what it's like being in Egypt. Uh, so Tom how's the atmosphere there ahead of Saturday's game against South Africa? Well, there's a huge amount of excitement here in Cairo from the Egyptian fans following their team, the hosts of AFCON 2019. One taxi driver told us football is like a religion here, uh, like it is in so many places across the world. But there's no doubt the Egyptian fans are getting behind their teams. There's flags being sold on every street corner, um, sometimes actually in the middle of the street as we approached the Cairo International Stadium where we watched the final group game Egypt against Uganda. Egypt run out two nil winners at that one and we were in the stadium for about three hours before kickoff and it was just full and there was a wall of noise which seemed to last throughout the whole of the build up to the game. Throughout the game itself a mixture of honking, vuvuzelas, cheering, drumming. So there was no doubt on that day that the Egyptians were behind their team. Uh, in some of the conversations we've had in taxis which we've been doing on a fairly regular basis. There's been a slightly more muted response from, from the home nation fans. Many are expecting their team definitely to get to the final, but I think they definitely want to see more from their team. They expect their players, the likes of Mo Salah, to take it up a notch. We've seen some moments of brilliance from Salah and from Trezor Gay and El Mohamedi, uh, but I think the Egyptian fans will be wanting a bit more as they progress. Now with that kind of amount of support and being the home nation of course, all this comes with a certain degree of pressure which the players must be feeling and it's clear that most of this pressure and the hopes of the Egyptians are rested on one man. We caught up with some of those fans on a street corner following the Pharaoh's 2-0 win over Uganda as they stood next to a cardboard cutout of Mo Salah. 
I mean, we we wouldn't have won the game if he if he hadn't scored that goal, because uh, he, he uh, I think he uh, he's the man. Yeah. <laughs> can, can can he take you all the way? Can you win the competition? We hope. <laughs> we hope. Yeah. We hope so. Yeah. Everyone um, everyone sees that uh, that Mo Salah is only one who can <laughs> who can do this, like uh, like what he did with Liverpool and with a Champions League. So uh, we hope so. Yes, and I'm hearing some fans here in Alexandria too expressing a few doubts about the rest of the squad besides Salah. Uh, so Liam, can Egypt go all the way? Absolutely. Simply put, they can. They've got the home support, which we know from these kind of tournaments is massive. Even the other night when we went to go and see Egypt, Uganda, the stadium, I think it was 70,000 perhaps, was absolutely rocking. The amount of Mo Salah shirts was unbelievable. And we've mentioned his name already so many times, but I think Mo Salah is the key here. And I think it may depend on just which side of the bed he gets out of in the morning. If he plays anywhere near his best, he can score a free kick. He can dribble past five and score. He can have that defining world-class moment. So as long as he's fit and as long as he's firing, I think he'll continue to carry the rest of this team. But you look past him and you would have to say so far, it's a pretty ordinary team. There isn't too much quality there. There's a few championship players, a few players who you think maybe five years ago could have an impact, but they are so reliant on him. Uh, but if he embraces that pressure, and it seems like he loves to be that man, the go-to guy, uh, pops up with a goal, creates everything. I think they will go far. Can they win it? They definitely can. But will they? That's another question. When the pressure continues to hype up, last 16, it's now knockout football. The mentality completely changes. So it'll be very interesting to see. But if Salah in any way gets injured, I think Egypt are in big trouble. As long as he's fit, they have every chance of going all the way in their home nation. Yes, it will get tougher after the round of 16 game against uh, South Africa, perhaps. Thanks, Liam. So Liam and Tom are producing a daily podcast throughout the Nations Cup. It's called The Egyptian Dream, available on Facebook, on the Planet Sport Football Africa app and on SoundCloud. It's informative and it's fun because as well as the football, uh, you get a chance to experience the sights and sounds of Egypt. Uh, Tom and Liam went on a Nile cruise the other day. So to listen, go to our Facebook page. There's a link there. Or listen on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. To get the app, uh, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Also, you can uh, listen on SoundCloud. So that's a daily update on the Nations Cup, the Egyptian Dream podcast. Now, here in Alexandria, we're bracing ourselves for a round of 16 game on Saturday that's worthy of being the final itself, as Nigeria will play Cameroon. Indeed, they have met in three finals before, with the Indomitable Lions winning all of them. And G.A. Eno is with the Cameroon team. Now, and G.A., both teams haven't really impressed us yet. And you could say the same about traditional big guns, Ghana too. And uh, Ivory Coast and Senegal still don't look to be at their best thus far. Hello, Steve, and thanks for having me on the show. It definitely won't be a fallacy to say that Cameroon, Ghana, Senegal, and Ivory Coast have produced insipid and lackluster football in this competition. But I think it's down to um, several reasons. With the case of Cameroon, the pre-tournament bonus row has spilled into the competition and the effects of a tense atmosphere around the team is being felt in the way the indomitable lions set up on the pitch. 
Also, the decision by Cameroon's coach Clarence Sidolf to sideline players playing their trade in Asia or the Middle East has seen him travel to Egypt with 11 players who are competing in their maiden AFCON tournament. Now, add to this mix the absence of players like Vincent Aboubakar or Jean-Pierre Samé, who are both injured, as well as um, Joel Tago, who has a heart anomaly. All of these have dented Sidov's plans. The Lions play well, but just can't seem to get their scoring formula right. So, just like Cameroon, the Black Stars of Ghana are discovering the fallouts of the animosity around the captaincy issue. General Captain Asamoa Gyan, hitherto Ghana's leading striker and who is currently Ghana's all-time scorer, has been relegated to bit power roles in the tournament and his leadership qualities have been greatly missed. For Senegal, Steve, I won't get very worried. A majority of the players on the Teranga Lions' current roster are starters for their various clubs and they've been in action week in, week out this season. I guess surely there is fatigue setting in. Take a look at Sadio Mane, for example, who two months ago was the driving force behind Liverpool's Champions League success. He looks worn out and at times rustic, but I believe that once the Teranga Lions get back to shape, I expect everything to flip like a switch. With the case of Ivory Coast, I have had a rough time comprehending coach Ibrahim Kamara's choices and tactics. His decision to relegate informed Crystal Palace winger Wilfried Zaha to the bench in their first two games, as well as Maxwell Corner, was clearly a blunder. In the Elephants' last game against Namibia, Wilfried Zaha started and scored. He had a great impact in the game. Now, if the coaches of these teams can tweak their game plans and become more daring, then surely fans um, will be in for great football spectacle. Yes, so well, thanks, and GA. Let's hear from Wilfred Zaha. Now, Tom spoke to Zaha after that game about not being used in the first two matches. All I can do is, once I get the time on the pitch, do what I did today. Show him that I should be one of the people that started. And that's all I can say on it, really. There's no problem with doing it. Wilf, what, what do you have to do to progress much further in this tournament? I think we need to be a bit tighter defensively, especially once we get tired. Because once the game starts, everyone's just running 100 miles an hour. Like, it's literally attack v defence, attack v defence. But once you tighten things up and catch teams on a, on a break, I feel like that's, that's one thing that teams don't realise. They, they run, they run, second half, everyone's tired and then they just catch you on a break. So I feel like if we manage to just tighten up our team, we'll be able to catch teams on a break like we did today. And just, that's how I feel. How does it feel for you adapting from playing in the UK and coming out and playing in this heat and this humidity? Um, it's a lot harder, but over time you get used to things and I feel like I'm getting used to it and I can't really make excuses anymore, you know? Once I get on the pitch, I just need to do what I've got to do. And this week, Arsenal approached Crystal Palace to sign Zaha, but an unrealistically low fee was offered. Uh, Zaha diplomatically didn't have too much to say to Tom on this one. I have no comment on it. The only thing that's on my mind right now is trying to win this cup. Would you like to play for Arsenal or not? I don't know. We'll see in the future. Do you have a message for the Crystal Palace fans? I'm here right now. I'm in, I'm in Egypt, so that's all I'm worried about right now.
Well, we'll be following that one. Now, and Jay, the nil-nil draw between Cameroon and Ghana last weekend was a huge disappointment. Uh, very flat that game was. Uh, some were saying that these teams were lacking their African flair and playing more like two European teams. Steve, clearly I have to agree with you on this. There wasn't any aggressiveness or drive from the two teams. Perhaps, Steve, it's important to mention that in Cameroon's starting 11 against Ghana, only four players, Fai Collins, Michael Ngadu, Oyongo Bitolo and Christian Basogok, have spent at least a season competing in Cameroon's domestic top-tier league. The seven other players were groomed in academies in Europe where collective effort, proper passing and game discipline are the key words. This is something which is in stark contrast with the ideology of African football when in tough situations, players are encouraged to bank on their individual prowess to um, sail through the sights to a win. Cameroon's coach Clarence Sidhoff, coaching in his first AFCON, was able to impose a European brand of football on Ghana. But unfortunately, Black Stars coach Kwesi Apia decided not to take any risk, whereas the game would have been exceptional if any of the teams had played more daring football. Well, it's a big talking point. That will go in depth on that sometime. Thanks, NGA. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. I'm Steve Vickers in Alexandria in Egypt at the Africa Cup of Nations. So eight teams are out after the group stage and while Southern and East Africa had record representation at this edition, they had most of their teams knocked out in the group stage. There were five from the Southern African region, that's Kosafa, which includes Madagascar. Madagascar went through with South Africa, but Zimbabwe, Angola and Namibia all went out. For Namibia, it was a third Nations Cup appearance. They did lose all three games here, but captain Ronald Kejigere was happy. For us, it was a good experience, you see. Even from the qualifiers, we played against some top countries like Zambia, them. And uh, qualifying from those groups and competing, uh, we didn't just here, came here to make numbers, but we competed, even uh, Morocco. They have taken uh, notice uh, that there is a country in Southern Africa called Namibia. They will never forget that. And uh, I think they are grateful for the goal that we scored as well. So, yeah, I think we represented ourselves well in terms of uh, the quality that we have. We are not fortunate as them having uh, European-based players. Now for East Africa, Uganda went through amid player protests over bonuses, but Kenya just missed out and Burundi lost all three games at their First Nations Cup without even scoring. Tanzania lost all of their three games as well, uh, but went down 3-2 in a great game with Kenya and also lost 2-0 to Senegal and 3-0 to Algeria. Here's Tanzania's Nigerian coach Emmanuel Amunike. There's a lot of lessons to be picked. In terms of experience-wise, I think uh, our greatest undoing in this tournament is that uh, we are not experienced enough. Uh, probably we are used to play in a way uh, where there is no much pressure. And uh, we have seen that in this tournament, uh, a lot of teams, once you have the ball, they put pressure on you. And uh, we are not comfortable when we have the ball, when we are under pressure. But like I said, in every journey, there is always a process of learning. Uh, when we go back, we have to go back to look at ourselves from a holistic point of view and see how we can develop our football, a modern football. 
Uh, if you don't have the ability to compete, uh, you have no chance of winning. And uh, that is exactly what happens to us. A lot of inexperience. But me, I'm happy with the players, you know. I'm happy with them. Uh, we all worked hard to be here. Nobody invited us. We worked hard. Uh, with the same spirit, if we continue to do what we have been doing, I think we can grow as a team. This is an eye-opener to Tanzanian football. That's the Tanzania coach, Emmanuel Amunike. Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, coming to you from Egypt, I've got a little bit of insight as to uh, my luxurious experience here at the Nations Cup. Well, I'm enjoying some sort of a lifestyles of the rich and famous experience here in Egypt. I'm working here as a TV commentator for the broadcasts across Africa, and uh, I'm engaged directly by CAF, the Confederation of African Football. So I'm being treated uh, to a large extent like a member of the CAF delegation or as one of their invited guests. So when I arrived at the Cairo International Airport, I got off the plane and a buggy was waiting for me and for others to drive us past the immigration straight to the VIP lounge. Uh, we sat there while our visas were sorted out and they went to get our suitcases for us. Uh, then we were taken by taxi to one of Cairo's top hotels. A couple of days later, a driver brought me here to Alexandria. This hotel quite simply is out of this world. I've never experienced anything like this before. It's the top hotel in Alexandria. This place really is like a palace, a big shiny palace. I'm on the third floor. This is where the restaurants are and there's five restaurants that you can choose from. A shiny marble floor, high ceiling, beautiful Persian rugs and there's artwork all over. Just for the sake of it, just so that it makes a statement of class and of opulence. So some magnificent paintings I'm looking at and then the table with Egyptian pottery, walking along this large walkway, huge Egyptian vases in blue and white, some of them as high as two meters. It doesn't have to be like this, uh, they could have built shops actually in this space or built more hotel rooms, but it's just making a statement of being big for the sake of being big and being excessive and being classy. I'm down on the fourth floor now. It's all about health and beauty and fitness here. So there's an outdoor swimming pool with a marvelous view of the Mediterranean Sea. Indoor pool for the winter months, which uh, would be uh, December, January, February kind of time. Uh, there's a spa, you get all of your beauty treatments here. You get a massage, uh, facial, whatever. Uh, and then I'm in the gym. Uh, I've just done a 20 minute run on the running machine. There's all of your weightlifting stuff uh, and everything you'd expect to find in a gym. And uh, I'm in the jacuzzi now. Nice and warm. Before this, I was in the sauna, blazing hot. There's a steam room as well. When I get out of the jacuzzi, I need to go into the cold pool, which is uh, next to it. Utter luxury. Right, I'm going to finish off the tour on a real high. I've gone down to the lower ground floor and I'm uh, going through the tunnel. But where does the tunnel lead to? It's a corridor really with that shiny marble floor and beautiful paintings on both sides of the walls. 
It leads us somewhere spectacular. Just hold on. And the tunnel leads us to the private beach. Yep, there's a huge private beach here for us to enjoy. Bars and a restaurant, big screens. You can watch the AFCON matches here, very popular at night. VIP zones, uh, there's a pool down here, uh, exclusive lodges uh, for those who want to stay right by the seafront, and of course the sea itself. Well, before I go, I'm going to leave you with a final thought because I'm on the beach now, on the golden sands, uh, on my sunbed, and I'm going to pop in for a swim. Uh, but as I was saying, I'm experiencing this because I'm part of the Confederation of African Football's delegation to cover the Nations Cup, uh, covering as a TV commentator. Uh, the rest of the delegation will be your leaders of football associations from all around the continent. So all around the world, your top football leaders are used to this kind of luxury on a regular basis. Uh, so imagine, is this perhaps one reason maybe why there is so much fighting for positions in global football? Maybe that could be a part of the reason. So there's a bit of insight into my experience here in Alexandria and uh, certainly does raise quite a few questions. This is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport and I'm Steve Vickers in Alexandria in Egypt at the Africa Cup of Nations. So the round of 16 matches are on this weekend and one team that many have fallen in love with is Madagascar. They're here for the very first time and perhaps we're hoping to squeeze through to the round of 16 as one of the best third place teams. But actually the Barea of Madagascar won Group B, drawing 2-2 with Guinea, beating Burundi 1-0 and then sensationally beating Nigeria 2-0. So they're unbeaten so far, they play DR Congo here in Alexandria on Sunday. I spoke to a fan after that win over Nigeria amid wild celebrations outside the stadium. Uh, my name is Rina. I'm from Madagascar. Six years, seven years like this. You, you live in Egypt? Yes, I live in And you've beaten Nigeria. How do you feel? I'm very happy because it's my first time we win. And it's two and zero. And it's, I'm very, very happy. Can you believe it? Yes, I believe it. And I hope Maria is the finalist. Wow. And uh, here's Madagascar's highest profile player, midfielder Aniset, who plays for Luda Goretz in Bulgaria. In this tournament, I think don't have small team anymore because small team can make problems for big team. Of course, nobody knows about, um, about Madagascar. Expect the movie Madagascar, yeah? <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I know the capacity of my player. I, I know the quality of the player. Very, very important thing is that uh, we know how the other team play, but they don't know us. And, and this is uh, some key of uh, our success today because uh, me, I know the quality of my team and uh, we just play and I know that we are very, very good player and uh, for sure we can go far away. But you know, in football, it is not an uh, easy game and we have to give always the best. What an adventure so far for Madagascar. We'll see how far they can take it. Well, Morocco have had a perfect start with three wins from three. They look like big contenders to win the trophy. Here's their defender, Manuel Da Costa, who came back from injury to start in their final group game against South Africa. He spoke to Oluwashina Okeleji. 
I was uh, practically out of the competition with my uh, problem on my hamstring and I work a lot to come back and I appear to be on the pitch today and uh, it's very difficult uh, condition but uh, it was okay, it was okay. Many people think Morocco now after winning three matches they are one of the favorites for the tournament, do you think so? Listen, we are looking game after game now. We start another competition because the next game is uh, we can be out directly or we can qualify. There is no chance and we have to be concentrated for the next game. That is important. We cannot say what you are for going for win the competition because if, if it was like this, it was too easy. So that's Morocco's Manuel da Costa. Not making any predictions there, but to Benin are their opponents in the round of 16. And to me and GA, those are three North African teams, uh, Morocco, Algeria and Egypt, really do look like front runners. Perhaps it's early to say who will win this cup, but no one can deny that the North African sites have been firing from all cylinders since the start of the event. Only four teams have been able to keep three clean sheets. You have the defending African champions, Cameroon, and three North African sites, host Egypt, Algeria, and Morocco. Still, the three teams to have recorded three wins are all from North Africa, Egypt, Algeria, and Morocco. The Pharaohs do have a boisterous home crowd to cheer them, but the team has a good cast of home-based players. 15 players in Egypt's current squad ply their trade in the domestic championship for Pyramids FC, Ismailia, Al Ali and Zamalek. And this must be why they play with such flair and instinctive fluency. Morocco have a wonderful mix of youthful exuberance and experience. Plus, they are being led by a two-time Afghan winner, Hervé Renard. Algeria have lots of talent and are skippered by Manchester City's Riyad Mahrez. They've scored a tournament high six goals and it's a relish watching them in action. Now, the difference between the group stages and the next huddles of the tournament is a single blunder can cause a goal and dump a team out of the tournament. But credits to Morocco, Algeria and host Egypt who've played with greater purpose and if only this Three teams can maintain the sort of discipline and drive that we've seen in the group stages. I honestly, Steve, can't guess where this will go wrong for them. Yes, those do look like the big three to me. We'll see how they get on this weekend. So Friday, Morocco take on Benin. Benin can be tough to break down. Egypt take on South Africa on Saturday. Uh, South Africa really look as though they're struggling at the tournament. And Algeria play Guinea on Sunday. Naby Keita, the Guinea captain, had to go back to Liverpool in England after getting injured here. Well, before I go, a reminder again about our daily podcast, The Egyptian Dream, with Liam Flint and Tom Ellis, uh, coming to you daily throughout the tournament uh, from Cairo. And The Egyptian Dream podcast is available on Facebook, on the Planet Sport Football Africa app, and on SoundCloud. Now, as well as the football, you get a chance to experience the sights and the sounds of Egypt. Here's a taster just before a match in Cairo at the June 30th Stadium. Tom and Liam had a go at a fun game in the fan zone as they tested their shooting skills. And I think most of the fans are in the stadium. We're just about to go in, take our seats up in the media bit in a minute. But first, we thought we'd have a little go at the target range. So we've got a bit of AstroTurf. Uh, with a with a bit of a backdrop of the desert and three holes to get the ball through. So shall I go up first, Liam? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here we go. 
Missed. Three shots. Two. Nothing yet. Oh, it went in and came out. Rim shot. Go on then, Lim. Okay, so in case you didn't realise, the score was zero. Uh, so anything, although anything's I, I, all an improvement. I, all I will say is one did go in, hit the back wall, and then came out again somehow. Anything's an improvement. More impressive than getting it in, if you ask me. Go on then, Lim. Lim's first one. Oh, he's gone for the scoop. I went for the chip. Lim's gone for the scoop technique. First one unsuccessful. That's the second one, unsuccessful. Same hole. Backs himself on this one, he's going high. Oh, there we go. We'll leave it to the professionals. We'll go in to watch them now. But good to soak up a bit of the game action in the fan zone. <laughs> I think the problem there is that they were still acclimatising, having just arrived here in Egypt a couple of days earlier uh, from the UK. So Tom and Liam bring you the Egyptian Dream podcast every day. You catch up with all the action on the pitch, but also you get a taste of the experience of being here in Egypt and find out more about the culture and the sights of Cairo. So to listen to the podcast, go to our Facebook page. There's a link there or listen on the Planet Sport Football Africa app. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to on SoundCloud. Not to be missed, our daily update on the Nations Cup, the Egyptian Dream podcast. Well, from me, Steve Vickers and Ngia Eno in Alexandria in Egypt and from Tom Ellis and Liam Flint in Cairo, that's it for this week and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production. <laughs>